What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day in today's show. We're talking Blazers Nets. We'll recap that game. It was a icy, snowy weekend in Portland, and it ended with Anthony Simons hitting a game winner with just 0.2 seconds remaining. Recap that game. Talk about the new starting lineup that the Blazers are playing or played in this game and the sort of implications for this small, large, long-term, medium-term. I think this was a very small thing in the grand scheme that suggests some larger stuff in the bigger scheme. We'll talk about the new starting lineup that we saw tonight in the second segment. And then DNP Ice. DeAndre Ayton did not make it to the arena because of a whole bunch of ice in the Portland metro area. Uh, we, I, I, will, I will tell you all about that saga to, to close the show. But first, let's do what we do. Fastest recap in the West. Blazers win 105-103. Three, snapping a four-game skid. Um, they needed a win in the worst way. They have lost uh, seven of nine, all by double digits, uh, most of them by 20-plus, six of those by 20-plus. Those two wins in there, both against Brooklyn. Schedule more games against the Nets. Adam Silver, is that possible? Can we, can we do that? Someone call Someone call Adam up and see if that's... See if that's uh, we can get that on the books. Uh, Blazers led 24-23 after one. Both teams played a bunch of zone and on defense and looked like they did not know how to score against zone on offense. Uh, really, really brutal um, sort of viewing first quarter, but the game got better from there. Much more aesthetically pleasing from that point forward. 52-51 nets at the break. Uh, and then it looked like the, maybe the Blazers were going to, you know... Put together a really solid third quarter and build a little comfortable lead. They lead by seven with about halfway through the quarter. But over the final seven minutes of the third quarter, Nets outscored the Blazers 23 to 7. And they actually led by 11. Uh, they were up. It's a 23 to 5 run. They, they actually led by 11. But Malcolm Brogdon hits a shot at the buzzer, cuts it to nine. It's 83 74 uh, heading into the fourth quarter. And the Nets would not lead by more than nine for the rest of the game. The Blazers cut into it. And this was this was a fun and entertaining game down the stretch. Seven lead changes in the final seven minutes of this one, final six fifty six of this one. Uh, in the final two minutes, join me there. We're gonna speed ahead. Two minute forty eight left. Spencer did when he drives, going gets moving to his left from right to left, draws a foul, hits two free throws, and Nets go up by four with a minute and forty eight seconds left. But Malcolm Brogdon returns the favor on the other end. He drives, gets a foul call on Mikhail Bridges. Uh, Spencer Denwitty misses a misses a layup, and Amphrey Simons has a little pull up jumper from the left side. And 54 seconds remaining, this game is tied at 101. So the Nets get the ball back. Mikael Bridges drives and misses a reverse layup. I thought it was going in. It was a pretty good move. Blazers played pretty good defense, but I thought he was going to make it anyways. It it bounces out. Blazers say, okay. Let's go the other way. It's high ball game. Take our time. Go get a bucket and win it. Malcolm Brogdon misses a late clock. Three. Tumani Kamara keeps the keeps the rebound alive. Battles of the Blazers playing small. Tumani Kamara is you know functionally the center, I guess. Uh, you know he's he's keeps the ball keeps the ball alive. Battles battles to make sure the Blazers are going to have a chance uh, to get an offensive rebound. Jeremy Grant as the ball pops back up. Noted rebounding enthusiast and ace, someone who's always cleaning the glass. You can always rely on Jeremy Grant to grab a bunch of rebounds. He does what he does. Tips in the layup and the Blazers go up 103-101 with 9.7 seconds left. So now they need to stop. This is a game pretty similar to what happened in the game in Brooklyn. As the Blazers went a little bit early, Shaden Sharp makes a bucket with 6 seconds left. You need to stop or you're going to go to OT. 
But now it's 10 seconds left and, and the Blazers are winning. So the Nets aren't going to wait. You're not going to get a late clock game. You're not going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to go and they go right away. Cameron Johnson drives on Jeremy Grant, scores layup on the right-hand side. And we're tied at 103. Chauncey Wilps takes his final timeout. 5.2 seconds left. At this point, Jeremy Grant has 30. And Anthony Simons has 18 on 7 of 19 shooting. But he did hit that nice little pull-up jump shot um, with... Uh, with you know a minute left, and they've been running late game offense through them. They ran I, I, what I, I said I really enjoyed actually that led to the Malcolm Brogdon three point miss and the eventual Jeremy Grant tip and was a double screen where Brogdon and Jeremy Grant set screens for Amphrey Simons two shooter setting screens for Ant with the floor spread with Jabari Walker and Tumani Kamara on the court. Like I like it. I like the I like the the personnel groupings and the, and and what your uh, what they got into. But with five seconds left, you're not going to run something fancy. You're not going to bring a screen to the ball. You don't want to send a second defender to Amphrey Simons and they. They, they they don't go to to Jeremy Grant. He's just not a good enough ball handler, not a good enough pull pull up shooter um, to catch it at like thirty five feet and ask him to go get it. He's like um, he's an ISO guy, but he needs to catch it like nineteen and in, and then he can use his kind of whirling dervish fall over big big long strides, bony elbow types of moves. But they go to Ant because they've been going to Ant. He's been struggling. He was listed as questionable in this game with an illness, and he was he. Hasn't shot particularly well, but he's been, you know, been playing through him down the stretch. And he said a big bucket with about a minute to go, five seconds left. They get it to him, no screen. Do not bring a screen in these situations. In, in, in a tie game, five seconds left. Go one four flat. Go vanilla as possible in these games because you you just want to shoot it when the as the game is gonna. You just want to shoot it as the clock strikes zero you want to make sure they don't get another shot attempt and you just want to live and die with a jumper basically live and die with your best offensive creator shooting a shot this is i keep it simple in these in these specific situations tie ball game stuff um tie ball game five seconds left just go Pre- run the just go play and they do they run a they run and down towards the baseline set a set a zipper screen or a down screen for him so he can come up to get the ball it's him on Mikhail Bridges. You can tell as soon as as Ant catches it, Mikhail Bridges is signaling to Spencer Dinwiddie, who's guarding the inbounder, Malcolm Brogdon, to come, come double teams. Come, come, come double. If you watch the replay, he's waving his arm. Come double, come double, come double. Because they know Anthony Simons doesn't want to pass. They know they want it to be anyone else other than Anthony Simons. They want to scramble and make it to Monty Kamara, for God's sakes. Uh, but... Spencer Dinwiddie comes late. Amphrey Simons easily gets past Mikhail Bridges with a left-hand dribble, splits that double team way late double team. It wasn't there. It was just like a, like, by the time Ant is, is getting past Mikhail Bridges, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is like still uh, still a step and a half from him. But the double team was coming and Ant knew it was coming. So he just went ahead and, and, and got to where he wanted to go, splits it with his left hand, gets back to his right hand, floater over Nick Claxton, swish with 0.2 seconds left, the Blazers are going to go on to win this because the Nets don't even get a shot off when on their lob attempt play at the buzzer, and the Blazers win 105-103. That's your fastest recap in the West. What a freaking game! The, the talk about the Blazers really, really, really needing it. They really needed it. They really did. They've had some stinkers. Um, you know, the, I, I talked about that. The, we'll go to the box score in a moment, but they talked about the game against the Nets. They've lost... <laughs> You know, they've lost 7 of 9. They lost 7 of 8 coming into this one. But those losses by 21, 29, 36, 28, 62, 23, and 11. A respectable 11 against against Phoenix. But they got smoked on that road trip. They get an overtime win against the Nets. They get smoked at the end of that road trip. They come back and lose, lose to Phoenix. And it's like... If there's a win on their schedule, that's, that's like reasonable this is it i mean they play the pacers without tyrese halliburton friday conceivably they could win that game but then they go back out on the road and it's going to get messy again it's like they need if they're going to get another win just like that game against the nets before if they're going to get a win it's like they need it 
and they delivered, baby. An overtime win against the Nets and a last-second win against the Nets. I would say these two teams, pretty even. Pretty, pretty even. Um, but Ant was great down the stretch, and Jeremy Grant was really, really, really good to keep the Blazers in this game. To the box score we go. Uh, Jeremy Grant did lead the way with 30 points. Uh, he added, at, at, like I said, eight rebounds. Man, always rebounds. Check the stats. And one assist. That's a classic. <laughs> That's a classic. Uh, Jabari Walker had four, 17 and seven for Duopri, 12 in the first quarter, or excuse me, in the first half. He, he's, he's, a, he's fun, um, but he was, he was, they had to get it, get him out of the game at the end because for defenses and, and just offensive versatility stuff. Amphrey Simons, 20 points, four boards, four assists. Malcolm Brogdon, who got the start. That's your new starting lineup right there. 16, five, and six dimes for Malcolm Brogdon, who got the start and played 30 minutes. Uh, that's Brogdon, Simons, Walker, Grant, and Reith. Uh, you choose who's playing power forward, who's playing small forward with with uh, Jabari Walker and Jeremy Grant. That's the ideal pairing for Jeremy Grant is that he's just playing forward and not power forward. Um, you can't tell who's who. And the other guy's a good rebounder like Jabari Walker. Seven off the bench for Scoot Henderson who played 23 and a half minutes. He was one of six from the floor, but he hit five free, five free throws. Tamani Kamara goes to the bench. He finishes with six points. Two for Ibu Baji, three for Matisse Thibel. Matisse Thibel. No steals in this game. It ended a 27-game streak. A 27-game streak. Second longest in franchise history. Tied a second longest in franchise history with with uh, steals. for cons- Games with steals. Consecutive games with steals, excuse me. Uh, Clyde Drexler holds the record with 33. Um, Matisse Thibel, great great defensive playmaker, fun player. Finish, did not finish with a steal. And Chris Murray played a very brief two-minute shift and was scoreless. On the net side, Mikhail Bridges led the way with 21-4-4. and 19-7 assists for Spencer Dinwiddie. 13 and five assists for Cameron Johnson. Nick Claxton had 12 points and 12 boards. Seven and five for Dorian Finney-Smith. 13 off the bench for Lonnie Walker. Cam Thomas, eight. Uh, my man from Fayetteville, North Carolina, Dennis Smith Jr. had two. Royce O'Neal, two. And old friend Trandon Watford, six points and two assists. Or excuse two. Yeah, six points, two assists. Let's... um. That's your box score. That's your fast recap in the wet. Let, let's, let's talk about this starting lineup because I think... Um, I think this has, I think this is a small thing that means a big thing to me, to me, it means a big thing, but it is a small thing. Let's talk about the sort of all of the implications of, of why it, why the lineup changed and what it means for the future of the trailblazers. We'll talk about that in the second segment. First, let me tell you about prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. You play prize picks on the app. Super, super easy. And when you win. Get your money quickly, and you can play quickly too. So play quick, get your money quick. What more could you want? How it works is you make an entry between two and six players, and it's just you versus the prize picks stat projections. You pick more or less than the pri- than the stat projections they set. So it's all the sports you could ever imagine: for the NFL during the playoffs, NHL all regular season long, and the NBA as we roll along here. If you play the NBA like me, it's things like points and rebounds and assists and steals. It's just more or less than the stat projections set by prize picks. You versus the numbers. No field, no sharks, no nothing. And right now, if you go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA, you can get a first deposit match up to $100. They're going to match you dollar for dollar on your first deposit up to $100. Put in $20, get in $20. Put in $50, get in $50. Put in $100, they'll match you $100. But only if you go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use that promo code LockedOnNBA. One more time for you, prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use that promo code LockedOnNBA. It's PrizePicks, daily fantasy made easy. All right. 
So the lineup changed. It was actually probably supposed to include DeAndre Ayton, but he did not make it to the arena. Uh, we've had a ton of ice and winter weather and the temperature's been in the teens and he was unable to leave his home in the West Lynn area and make it to the make it to the arena. More on that to close the show. So, um, But the Blazers trotted out a, a, a new starting lineup. Out, Scoot Henderson. Out, Tumani Kamara. In, Malcolm Brogdon. In, Jabari Walker. Everybody else stays. Uh, Sean Zay, you stay. Um, Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant and Duop Reef. Uh, I assume it would be very weird if, if, uh, if DeAndre comes back and doesn't start, but you know, there's always a chance. But this starting group, it's like, it's, it's probably a group that makes more sense in the grand scheme of what the Blazers need from around their veterans. Let me be 100% clear. So there is no question about this. Malcolm Brogdon is a lot better at basketball than Scoot Henderson in January 2024. A lot better. Uh, maybe two standard deviations better. Scoot is struggling right now. He is, um, you know, he's he's coming off a big game, 33, but it's like 31 shots. The efficiency is just not there. Um, teams don't guard him on from three. He actually hasn't shot terribly from three, but nobody respects him as a three-point shooter. And the much more troubling thing for Scoot He's not the shooting; it's the finishing. It's he just he just can't make layups, um, and and that's going to be for me. Like everyone talks about the shooting and the shooting as the swing skill, and can he shoot? Can he shoot in the NBA? If he's not a high level finisher, he's that's the problem for him. He's nineteen. We're thirty games in. He's it's like it's there's there is such a long way to go for Scoot. I still believe he's going to be a productive NBA player. I'm not, I'm I'm like like pretty pretty genuinely not worried about him but also like he's not he has not been good he's not been good <laughs> like he was supposed to be better than this he's been bad um I, I thought he was going to be like one of the i thought he was going to score at a high level in the league at least score with high volume on low efficiency he doesn't score at high volume he's just he's not that he's not a good offensive player right now he's a really good passer but he's he's struggling and the way he gets defended they just stand in the paint They'll, they'll stand on stand with a foot on the lane, even when he's on the strong side, and dare him to shoot it. And they go way under on screens, and it and it really mucks up the Blazers' spacing. It it, is, it makes things tough. And you put him on the court, and then you put Jamani Kamara, who teams do not guard, and you put two total non-shooters, who two teams actively disrespect and bait into shooting, and there is not very much room to operate. Hence the freaking lineup change. <laughs> like it's it is so reasonable uh another sort of skill caveat jeremy grant doesn't rebound i know that i said he rebounds a lot in the first segment but he's terrible at it he's never been a good rebounder this is not who he is um this shouldn't be this is i'm sure it's not a surprise to the portland trailblazers that that jeremy grant is not a good rebounder but he's not he's not he's just not a rebounder he's he's he is what he is at this point in in his career he's he's a dude who scores um if you need that skill set he'll get you 30 against the nets and carry your offense on 14 of of 26 shooting like he he went out there and made a ton of two pointers. He only took four threes, didn't take any free throws. He went out there and made a he went out there and made twelve two point field goals, attacked and scored in the mid range and in the paint area. Dude, dude's a bucket, not a rebounder, not a passer. So putting Jabari Walker in the on the on on the court next to him has real value. Jabari is a really good rebounder. In fact, uh, they shared this on the broadcast. Uh, Tom Haberstroh shared this, is that the Blazers' offensive rebounding ra uh, rates as a team, their like total team offensive rebounding rate, is among the tops in the league when Jabari Walker is on the court. Now, like, those stats are noisy, and I'm sure Tom knows that, but like, 
that checks with the eye test, right? Is that Jabari Walker doesn't always doesn't just get rebounds, is that he fights and keeps rebounds alive, or he's active and and lets you know because he's active and because he's a pursuer of rebounds, lets other people go get boards or or keeps you know guys don't defenders don't grab it cleanly and the ball pops up and gives creates more opportunities and all those things, right? You had a a better rebounder next to Jeremy Grant, and you had a better shooter next to Anthony Simons, and things are going to work a little better. That's just like it's it's not a it's this is. This is a move that, you know, I, I, I think I've been, I've been lower on Tumani maybe than, than some fans just because I think he's, he's just like a negative on offense right now. Um, but like, and, and it's like Jabari Walker's not, not much better on offense to be totally clear, but I think um, he does different things. Um, and, and the skill set's a little bit different. So it may, maybe it's more complimentary for this specific group. But like, it is, I think it's reasonable and right for Chauncey Billups to keep tinkering like this team not, has not been playing well this is like this is not the time to say like let's move let's keep going let's push forward and keep doing this if you're trying to win it's the right thing to do Chauncey Billups is the coach he's trying to win the games he's coaching to win the games and I think he's coaching to put Amphrey Simons in better positions and now Ant wasn't great in this game this didn't like magically make Ant great he was one of seven from three like he was sick or whatever but I, I don't um, I subscribe to this maybe old school notion that like if you're on the injury report and you play, you played, you're available and you just will judge you for your performance. But like he was, he was sick, listed as sick coming in this game. But like it didn't, it didn't magically make Ant better, right? But it does, you can watch it and see Amphrey Simons have more space because he has more space because you have to respect more shooters. Uh, you give, you give Jeremy Grant more space because there's more shooters. Malcolm Brogdon's a great catch and shoot shooter. Amphrey Simons, gets respected as a shooter. Uh, Duop Reith shooting opens things up, and I think that'll be interesting when, when DeAndre Ayton comes back, what spacing looks like, and we'll, that, we'll talk about that once he finally returns to the lineup. But um, all of these decisions, like, they make sense. But the larger implication is a little bit troubling to me. If Scoot Henderson and Amphrey Simons can't play next to each other. That is not a problem for January or February or whatever this season. That is a problem for down the line. If if the Blazers and the, and I don't know that they've determined this right, but this this lineup decision implies that oof that pairing doesn't work. And you you've watched the freaking games. Maybe maybe if you haven't, you've heard me after I've watched the freaking games. Like it it that that. That duo together is bumpy, is rocky, is rocky. And and part of it's rocky just because Scoot's not very good right now. Um, but like, it's... And Scoot's coming off, maybe he's like one of his, you know, career high, all that stuff. Like, I, he played 40 minutes against the Suns, and he comes back and he plays 23 minutes. Are the Blazers... what? So, so there's two things. One is the long-term implications of Scoot and Simons as a pairing. Uh, like... The Blazers way, 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 way too early to give up on Amphrey Simons in terms of like what they're doing. They don't like like pivoting to the young guards when Ant is so much better than them doesn't make any sense. It would be like straight up malpractice. Um, but if those two gentlemen can't play together because they both need the ball in their hands and Scoot's lack of spacing and Scoot's lack of sort of um, 
ability to command defensive respect makes it impossible for Anthony Simons to be the best version of himself. That is something that matters for the future. And the, the pair, if that pairing together is also untenable on defense because they're both bad defenders, that is something that means something for the future. It's not anything you're going to decide now. It's not anything you're going to um, even maybe learn now. But if you've determined that it's as, as you know, after you've played it for a handful of games, 10 or so games, like this is untenable, it means something for the future. I would put it. I will circle this with a with a with a red pen. Actually, I'm a purple pen guy. I'll hold that up for you if you're watching on YouTube. I'll circle that with a purple pen on my calendar. This this game is maybe a game to, to circle. Like, okay, they kind of they agreed that it needed something needed to change. It, it it's a logical change, but it has implications for the future. And the other thing is, what are we doing? Like, what what are the Blazers doing? I think winning is important. They need a win for the vibes. I, I I don't think they need to lose every single game, and I don't think they need to never play someone over the age of 27 under any circumstances. I don't believe that. But is playing Scoot Henderson 23 and a half minutes the best use of the resources for this franchise when you're playing Malcolm Brogdon, who's probably not going to be on the team after Valentine's Day. The trade deadline's February 8th, but I'm just using a little more colloquial marker. Uh, like, he's not going to be, you know, he's almost certainly going to be traded over the next three weeks. Is playing him 10 more minutes a night than Scoot, does that have value? Is that, is that, I would, I understand why they didn't do it for the basketball reasons, the, the sort of, obvious like statistical and X's and O basketball reasons stuff you can just see and watch and know and just like basketball logic but like I think there's value in the franchise figuring out how the scoot ant pairing works and if it doesn't work it has larger implications and I don't think there's any reason scoot Henderson shouldn't be playing at least 28 minutes a night he's not good let him play the team is 11 and 29. <laughs> just, just like at this point, it is time to let the band play as the ship goes down. Let, let the, let those violins run their course. Let them, let them go ahead and, and play the song because what are we doing? What are we doing? Uh, I, I don't think like in general, I don't think it's like a really big deal. But I think it is a notable occurrence. I think it's a notable, this is a notable occurrence that Chauncey Billups feels this way. And I don't think he's wrong. Like, I don't think he's wrong to say, okay, it would be much better to have Brogdon play next to Amphrey Simons because he's a better basketball player. And the splits suggest that Scoot is like way better off the bench, but like the, the splits don't know who he played with. Off the bench, he played a lot with Duopri, who he's better with, played a lot with Malcolm Brogdon, who he's better with. Like the, the splits don't just say go to the bench and you're magically better. The splits have context as well. And the Blazers kind of dropped that context by who was in the starting lineup. I'll watch this. I think this is an important thing to, to, to monitor going forward um, because if Ant and Scoot cannot play together, it is a much bigger deal for the 2025 Trailblazers than it is for, you know, whatever the next month of basketball is going to be. Okay, uh, let me tell you a story about Ice and DeAndre Ayton and not making it to the game. Uh, and a little, little uh, weather report for you from the Portland metro area. That's what we'll do to close the show. Uh, 
have a little fun. Uh, join me in the DNPI story of a lifetime uh, in the third segment. First, let me tell you about game time. It's the place for last minute tickets. Listen, if you are dealing with winter weather conditions and say that the city has the city of Portland has been in the teens for four straight days, we received a couple inches of snow. And then on top of that, about an inch or so of ice and some elevations more than that. And the city was just straight up froze up. And for whatever reason, we don't take care of it. And you like, wait, I want to go to the game. It's a last minute. It's a last minute decision, but I want to go to the game. The number one spot for you during an ice storm to uh, make your last minute decision is Game Time. Uh, I like Game Time because you get the all-in pricing. When you open up the app, you search Trailblazers, you get a view of the Moda Center right there on your phone, um, and you can say, okay, $78. Cool. I'm in. That's it. And you're not going to get any hidden fees. You're not going to get any convenience charges. 78 bucks. What you see is what you get pricing. So, if you are a procrastinator, why don't you take the hassle out of buying tickets with GameTime? Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDON, you get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use the redemption code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download GameTime today. That's last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let me tell you a little story about DNP Ice. Yesterday, uh, as you're actually listening to Thursday, January 18th show, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening. Tell your friends about the program. But on Tuesday, January 16th, the Blazers held a practice. DeAndre Ayton made it from his home in the West Lynn area, south of town, to the Tualatin, neighboring suburb of Tualatin, where the Blazers have their uh, have their practice facility and participate fully in practice. And, I am, and uh, Chauncey Billups told the assembled media that he looked great and he was excited for a return in the very new, very near, excuse me, future from the Blazers starting center. All signs pointed to a return Wednesday against the Nets. He was, you know, uh, up cleared to play. He was still in the injury report, but he's cleared to play prior to tip-off. The only problem was he was not at the arena. Which is a problem, because one of the best ways to participate in a basketball game is to be in attendance for the basketball game. But, but D.A. wasn't there, because D.A. was at home. <laughs> because D.A. was frozen in his house in the West Lynn area. He was iced out of the game. I will kick it over to Casey Holdall for the reports of this one. According to Casey Holdall, Trailblazers reporter for Trailblazers.com, a team, team, team uh, writer for the team website, uh, one of the longest tenured employees, one of the, maybe the longest, ten, maybe the longest tenured member of the Blazers traveling party. Shout out to Casey; he's been at it forever. Um, but Casey reports. Uh, this is about 6, 6 p.m. just before tip-off. Casey reporting this. That Quote, DeAndre Aiden tried for hours to combat the sheet of ice leading out of his neighborhood, and the team sent people out to help as well, but to no avail. So he's out for tonight's game in Portland. So DeAndre Aiden's at his house. It is iced over, and the Blazers send staffers, staff members of some flavor to go rescue him and they can't quite get all the way to his house and so he can't meet up with them he can't get out, he's stuck and the Blazers play a game without him that he was cleared to play in DeAndre Ayton has missed 11 consecutive games, this was his 12th but heading into tonight, 11 consecutive games, he had not played in a game since December 13th dealing with a knee, inflammation in his knee 
but he's finally cleared, uh, missing nearly a month of basketball, going to play for the first time in, in 11 games, and he can't make it to the arena. This is made weirder by the fact that all of his teammates are there. All of them. They're all there. They're at the game playing. They all played. And his coaches are there. And and the Blazers' whole freaking broadcast team is there. And everybody's there and they're playing and they're broadcasting the game on television so you can watch it because they're all at the arena and DA is not. <laughs> Look, it was icy. I'll tell you a story. My Here's my own story. Here's a little story about me. This is a Mike Richmond story. I woke up this morning. I have a small child, one-year-old. Get her out of bed take her downstairs. Uh, I have an electric coffee maker and usually I get her all situated and we, and I get, make sure she's eating breakfast and playing and cool. And then I make myself a cup of coffee and I like, you know, get after my day. Get her some, get her some food. We're, we're reading a book on the couch and the power goes out in my house and it would be out for about 12 hours. And it was icy as hell. It was so icy. I saw a man ice skating on my street ice skating. He was wearing hockey skates. He's ice skating on my street, on the asphalt. Ice skating down the street. I live in a, like a side street, so it's not, not taken care of by the city. Uh, but like, uh, eventually the house gets really cold and we have to leave and we have to drive a little bit. It's about a half mile to some friend's house, maybe a mile. And, um, it, it was a treacherous drive, not on the main roads, but to, on the side streets and the, and the, um, uh, the, the sort of neighborhood connector streets, Un, untreated by the city, left to our own devices. And if you're not a Portland, if you're not living in the Portland metro area, um, on Friday we started to have some winter weather. Uh, it snowed, and then on top of that snow, uh, it it there was an icy layer that really set in about overnight Monday to, or excuse me, Tuesday to Wednesday. Um, and it was it was snowy and icy and in the teens, and nothing melted over the weekend. Um, and then it got r- a lot worse. Tuesday to Wednesday evening, uh, we got like an inch of just straight ice. It was just, it was, my driveway was very hard to navigate. Um, I had, it took me forever to get my car out. And then, and then we had to drive, you know, very slowly to, to a warm place. So we could, we could make sure that our small, a small child was warm and could, you know, take a nap. But that was, that was, I was able to make, to make it happen. I am, I am sympathetic to how treacherous it was. I saw, I, when I was driving along the streets, the sidewalks are so icy and so iced over in the, in the city that everyone's walking in the road. Like people walking their dogs and stuff are walking in the road because walking on the sidewalks is too slippery. Uh, you know, I saw someone walking in the street trying to do that about to fall over a man, just taking a little, the tiniest little steps. Cause he was about to fall over. We kind of made eye contact. I was in my car. He was like, please don't hit me. If I fall, I gave him the peace sign. I said, no, you're good. You're good. I'm the, me and you, we're not going to have interaction. I'm going to cruise by you and you might fall over after I leave, but you're good. It was icy. It was icy. And it was, it was, um, and it's been challenging and there's been people in the, in the, in the metro area who haven't had power since, you know, Friday evening. And now we're, we're in Wednesday. We're talking, you know, four and a half, five days without power. It's been, it's been, it's been a long time. We ended up getting our power back. We're fine. I'm recording this podcast. It almost didn't happen though. I didn't go, I, I did not go to the motor center tonight because I didn't want to drive. I don't want to drive. I don't want to deal with it. I'd already had my, my snow experience and going um, to see this particular game was not worth it to, uh, for, the, for the hassle for me. But I'm not getting paid like DA. <laughs> and I've been to a game in the last month. I've been there. I've gone to him. I've attended more games than he has. No, that's not true. Uh, he, he was on the road trip and stuff. I'm, I'm clowning now. But like, all of this is to say, 
it is, it was, it's bad out there. And the city of Portland and the and the sort of Portland metro area at large, we do not handle snow well. And I do not mean that 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 to speak ill of my fellow citizens here. You, all of us, we handle snow fine. We're doing fine. I got my car where it need to go and back, and it's fine. The city doesn't. The municipality doesn't take care. We don't have budget to take care of the icing. We don't. We don't. Um, we don't really salt the roads because for environmental purposes, we don't have enough snow plows and snow plows wouldn't even work against the ice because it was too thick and too, too slick. You would have, it would have to be the pre-treatment of the roads like it is in other sort of, uh, in, in, in more winter condition heavy cities where they, where they have more treatment of, of the roads. We just don't do that here. We don't do that. Here. We leave it to citizens. I've lived in Portland for 17 years. I would say unquestionably the city has gotten better at handling snow and they still are very bad at it. It's not the problem of denizens. It's not the makeup of our citizens. It's not like we, um, all you people moved here from the Midwest and you can't even, you can't, you still can't drive in the snow, haters. Uh, but we're not DA. We're not making $30 million. We have, I would say, I will say this. I have no doubt in my mind. Uh, I'm familiar with the topography of the West uh, uh, Westland area. It's very hilly. I'm sure it was awful where DA lives. Um, He's rich. I bet he lives up on a big hill. I bet he has a great view of the river. I bet he has a wonderful home with a bunch of privacy, meaning a long driveway and a private road next to a bunch of other gigantic houses with long driveways. And I bet they were all iced in there. But look, when all of your other teammates get to the arena, it doesn't look good. This note, this ice storm didn't sneak up on us. You had access to the internet and a smartphone. You probably could have checked at the weather at any point. You could stay downtown at the new Ritz-Carlton. If you don't like the new Ritz, you could stay at the Nines. You could go to any number of your teammates' homes. You could stay at your coach's home. You could um, you could, you could, could stay at, at a not-super-nice hotel. There's many hotel rooms across the city. You're extremely wealthy. You could have figured this out. Um, I don't doubt that it was too hard for DeAndre Ayton to get out of his house at a certain point. I am skeptical of the level of effort that was put into it to get there, um, recognizing how incredibly icy and awful it is throughout the whole metro area. I just know who else was in attendance to the game, and I know that with with all of the things people think about DeAndre Ayton and his sort of general disinterest in playing basketball, and then you are missing a month and you take a snow day off who among us hasn't milked a snow day at work who among us hasn't said oh it's a work from home day and just kind of done nothing because it's snowing yeah that's a normal that's a normal lifestyle thing but it's not great for a starting center in the nba to have that implication i have no or have that sort of feel to it um i no doubt that it was that the conditions are terrible where he lives no doubt that it was very 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 challenging to get out of there mitigation is possible. I bet a bunch of his teammates going home late at night after this, uh, you know, after, um, after this game, I bet it'll be dicey for them to get home. I bet it's, it's relatively unsafe driving conditions. Like I've been out there. It's not a good look. DMP ice is not a good look. I don't think it's like this big deal and you need to whatever, whatever, but it's not, it's not a good look. Um, D DNP ice will be, um, one I remember. I'll remember, I'll remember DNP ice for sure. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. That's going to do it for DMP Ice. Uh, tomorrow's show, uh, it is a crossover edition with Alex Wolf of Locked on Knicks. 
He wants the Knicks to trade for Malcolm Brogdon. We recorded a show talking all about that trade, uh, trade potential. The idea of Brogdon to the Knicks. Uh, talk about what the Knicks have to offer, what the Blazers have to offer, and, and, and all things in between. You're not going to want to miss that one. Go check that one out. It's in your feeds tomorrow. Then, Monday, Blazers play Friday against the Pacers. Uh, I plan on being in attendance. No DNP ice for me. Then they play. They head on the road Sunday against the Lakers uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, that will be game 42. So, Monday show, the Blazers will be officially at the halfway point of the season. We'll recap both those games, and we'll do a midseason check-in, a report card of sorts, uh, talking about uh, where the Blazers are at midseason. You're not going to... You're going to want to catch them all, right? Five, this is straight Pokemon podcast. Five days a week, wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube... Tell your friends about the program. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.